0: Welcome to the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Gerald Bourget. Welcome Valley boys and girls to another episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network. I'm your host Gerald Borgay and before we get started with today's show just a friendly reminder if you are watching this show uh, or listening to this pod and if you're enjoying it I would hope that you're enjoying it if you're coming back to listen for more um, please make sure to go on to the Apple podcasts and go ahead and give me a five-star review whenever you get a chance. Um I've been doing this show for about three months now i think and would love to see some more feedback from you guys what you like about the show what you don't like Um, i'm not very good at self-promotion but uh, i would love to hear from you guys if there's anything that uh, you feel like i'm not touching on with sun's coverage or if you are enjoying the show i would love to hear some feedback from you um please feel free to write me a five-star review and uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already but we're going to get started this week, looking ahead to what's coming for the Suns, and it's quite a doozy. Um, you know, we've known this stretch has been coming for quite a while now, ever since the schedule was first released, or the second half of the schedule rather. Um, and we need to talk about the Suns' upcoming road trip because it uh, it's not a make-or-break stretch for a team that's you know 40 and 16, but it is going to be very important for them. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about Javon Carter and how he has been. Not only, you know, working his way back into the rotation, but really making the most of his time on the floor lately, uh, these last five games in particular. And then we're going to close up with our latest G-rated segment on a show that uh, I was a little late to the bandwagon for, um, but I binge watched all of it in the last three weeks or so and got caught up just in time for the season four finale, which is this week on Wednesday, Um, but that snowfall And we're going to talk all about that and what makes it such a great show. But uh, let's get started with that road trip because it's, uh, I mean, they're playing every team in the Atlantic division, which, you know, in years past wouldn't have sounded that daunting, but the Atlantic division is really good. They have five of the top six teams in the Eastern conference playoff standings right now. Um, So we're going to break it down game by game and to, and take a look at what to expect here Um, So the first game is later this evening. We're filming this on or recording this on Sunday, but by the time you're hearing it, it'll be Monday. So uh, later this evening on Monday, they're going to take on the Bucs. And the last time the Suns faced the Bucs, they won uh, 125 to 124, very close game. That was back in mid-February. Booker dropped 30 in that game. Chris Paul had 28. It was one of the rare games where both Booker and Chris Paul went off in the scoring department um, and the Suns needed all of those points because Giannis had 47 by himself. Um, heading into this game, the Bucks are coming off a surprising loss to the Grizzlies, um, and that snapped a three-game win streak for Milwaukee. So kind of like the Suns, who come into games very motivated after losses, the Bucs might have a similar motivation coming off a disappointing loss to Memphis. Um, but the good news for the Suns is they haven't lost back-to-back games since January, and they've only lost back-to-back games three times a season. And technically, the second and the third time were part of a three-game losing streak. They were part of the same losing streak. So they've only had a two-game losing streak and a three-game losing streak this season. Um, now, the bad news is that uh, the Bucks. I mean, the, I mean, this is actually good news. The Bucs are kind of sporadic right now. Um, you know, they have won three games and then lost three games and then won three games, and now they lost to Memphis. So they're kind of all over the map, putting these little win and losing streaks together. Um, but this will be the second game in a four game homestand for Milwaukee. And they'll have had a day of rest since their last game, just like the sun's heading into this one. So then after that, the second game of the road trip is on Wednesday. So the sun's get at least one day in between there. And that's in Philly against the Sixers. Um, the last time the Suns played the Sixers, they won 120 to 111. That was also back in mid-February. Um, Booker dropped 36, which barely topped Joel Embiid's 35 points. Um, and the Sixers have won four straight and seven of their last nine games. So they've been on quite a tear. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference for a reason. Um, I, think they, I think they've got the second-ranked defense in the NBA, so they're very good on that end. Uh, The good news is Devin Booker routinely tortures Philly. Um, He just loves going off against this team for whatever reason. So hopefully Defensive Player of the Year candidates in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can't slow him down yet again. Um, But this is going to be the final game in a four-game stand for Philly as well. Um, And they'll be – Throughout this homestand, they've been well-rested. They've had at least one or two days in between each game. Um, so that's not great news for the Suns, even if they will have that one day of rest in between that game in Milwaukee and that game in Philly. Um, and then the third game is on Thursday, second night of a back-to-back for the Suns. So they'll take on Philly on Wednesday, Boston on Thursday. Uh, and the last time the Suns won 100-91. That was back early in February. Um, and they won that game as kind of a well-balanced scoring effort. I think Bridges was their leading scorer with was 17 or 19, something like that. And the Suns scored, I think they had five players who scored at least 15 points in that game. Booker had like 18 and 11. Um, but the Celtics have kind of turned things around this season, which is unfortunate because the Suns around that time caught them at a good time when Boston has just kind of been all over the place this season. But they're starting to head in a more positive direction um they've won six straight games and eight of their last nine uh Tatum has been unreal every season it finds it seems like mid-season he like unlocks some new skill set in his game that he didn't have before and just turns it on and that's pretty much the point of the season that we're at with the Celtics right now um and then Jalen Brown has been you know he's prone to go off as well I think he had 40 points uh the other night as well for the Celtics so this is going to be a tough one for Phoenix, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. They've been very good on back-to-backs. One of the best teams in the NBA, if not the best. Um, don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure their record on the second night of a back-to-back is just ungodly. Um, but this game is going to be the final game of a three-game homestand for Boston, and they'll actually have had two days of rest in between since their last game. They have Chicago on Monday, and then they take on the Suns on Wednesday. Um And then the Suns get a little bit of a break. They have that game on Thursday, and then they don't play again until Sunday, which is good news. They have two days off, Um, and then they'll be playing in Brooklyn against the Nets. And uh, the last time the Suns faced the Nets, as we probably all well remember, they lost 128 to 124. That was in mid-February, and it was in a game where the Nets were playing without KD and I think without Kyrie as well. Um, Harden took over late. The Suns coughed up like a 24-point lead. Um, Harden had like 38, 11, and 7, and then uh, Chris Paul was leading the way for Phoenix with like 29 points, Um, but the Nets have been kind of all over the place, and this could change by the time the Suns are in town on Sunday, Um, but the Nets have lost four of their last eight games, Um, because they've been missing guys you know KD went out of uh, Sunday's game with a thigh contusion and Harden has been sitting out with a hamstring injury for I think the last five or six games for them so he could return soon they were saying that uh, it's looking unlikely that he'll play in Tuesday's game I think the Nets are taking on the Pelicans if I remember correctly Um, but they have like two or three games before they take on the Suns on Sunday so they do have time for Harden to get some workouts in and get back on the floor before that Suns game which you know that would be typical of course but um you know you want to beat these teams at their best even in the middle of a tough road trip it'd be nice if Harden was not available that would make the job easier because he's been a routine Suns killer especially in Phoenix but Um, You know, we'll see how that goes. This is going to be that game will be the second game of a very brief two game homestand for the Nets. uh, And they'll have had one day in between since their last game. They face the Celtics on Friday and then the Suns on Sunday. And then the final game of this road trip is on Monday, another back to back. So the second night of back to back, they'll be taking on the Knicks after facing Brooklyn Uh, and the Suns have not played the Knicks yet this season. But the Knicks are on fire right now. We'll see if it holds up for another week. But they've won six straight. Julius Randle has been a monster. Derrick Rose has been playing really well. Um, and the Knicks are actually the, the NBA's third best defense. Um, they're just a scrappy young team, and they're good. They play hard. And uh, that is not the type of opponent you want to face on the second night of a back-to-back for sure. Um, the good news, though, is that even though the Knicks are currently on this six-game win streak, They didn't really play anybody over that stretch. Um, They beat the Grizzlies, who are, you know, around 500 territory. They beat the Raptors, who are trying to tank their way out of the play-in spot in the East. Uh, They beat the shorthanded Lakers, who are, you know, I think they're like 7-9 and since LeBron James went out. Uh, They beat the Pelicans twice, and the Pelicans are just a train wreck. They cannot protect a lead to save their lives. And then they beat the Mavs, who are a good team but have been struggling lately. Uh, I think they've lost like four games straight at this point. Um, So, you know, the Knicks are, they've won six games straight, but they haven't really played anybody that good. Um, And the good news is that much like Booker does in Boston and in Philly, he likes to play at Madison Square Garden as well. So um, hopefully that bodes well for the Suns, even on the second night of a back-to-back that game will be the fifth game in a six-game homestand for the Knicks with one day in between since their last game. So they take on the Raptors on Saturday, and then they face the Suns on Monday. So the bad news is if you're looking at all of all five of these teams, they're going to be enjoying some type of homestand. They're going to have at least one day of rest in between. Uh, the Suns won't have that luxury for two of the five games that they play. Uh, they'll be traveling. There's not too much traveling. The good news is all of these – cities are pretty closely contained next to each other um but you know the bad news is after this brutal five game road trip where they take on five of the top six teams in the east um you know four of the atlantic division teams and then the the bucks over in the central division um they get to go home and their reward is facing the clippers and the jazz um luckily it's not a back-to-back but you know over the next seven games, the Suns are going to have this five game road trip in eight days out east where they'll face five of the top six teams in the east. And then, you know, they'll come home and they'll face two of the top three teams in the west. So over those seven games, they're facing five of the top six records in the NBA. Um, and they're also taking on a good collection of defenses. Um they're taking on Philly is ranked second in defensive rating. New York is third. Milwaukee is sixth. And then on the offensive side, the Nets are second in offensive rating. Milwaukee is fifth. And Boston is 10th. So they're taking on a top five defense or a top 10 defense in three of the five games and a top 10 offense in three of the five games. So a pretty brutal stretch for the Suns coming up. And it's, I don't want to call it make or break stretch because they're, you know, they're, they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a top four seed, but all it takes is one losing streak. And suddenly you're looking at third or fourth in the East or in the West. Um, And, you know, the, the gap is, I don't think the Suns are going to, you know, lose all five of those games or anything, but they have not been playing their best basketball recently, particularly Devin Booker. He's had like three kind of bad games in a row. Now he was really bad against the Spurs He shot the ball really bad against uh, who was at the Rockets, but it didn't really matter because the Suns bench went off. So they're going to need more out of Booker and Chris Paul, who have not been shooting the ball particularly well lately. Um, They're going to need Aiton to bounce back, of course, after I put together a whole segment praising Aiton for how much progress he's made. He comes out and gets outplayed by, you know, freaking Drew Eubanks in the Spurs game. But um, everyone was bad in that Spurs game. We're not going to point fingers because everyone was bad except for Javon Carter. Um, so the Suns are going to need to bring it, and they've routinely brought it this season against good competition, which is the good news. Um, but this stretch is crucial for not only their dreams of, that, of getting that one seed in the West and closing the gap on the Jazz, but also their hopes of, of hanging on to the two spot at all because the Clippers are coming in hot, um, and the Suns just kind of need to bounce back from that just appalling loss to the Spurs um if they want to establish themselves as like a legitimate NBA contender um you know they have the league best record against teams at or above 500 they're 19 and 7 so they're winning um over 70% of their games so far against winning teams um now that record is going to be put to the test against really good competition over these next 7 games and with this 5 game road trip in particular um but let's move on to our next topic, who is Javon Carter. And we actually just mentioned him. He was pretty much the only player that played worth a damn in the Spurs game. Uh, but he's been really good for the Suns lately. And, you know, part of it, I think, stems from a conversation or multiple conversations that Monty Williams has had with Javon Carter. He had been saying uh, – I can't remember which game it was. might have been Sacramento um, – but before that game, he had been saying he felt bad that he couldn't really give a fair shake to that backup shooting guard position. He wasn't really being able to allot the amount of minutes that he wanted to, to either Langston Galloway or Etwan Moore or Javon Carter. He was kind of juggling those guys around. And he said himself, that's his biggest regret is not being able to give those guys a fair shake at, you know, regular minutes at that spot. Um but Carter has kind of stood out as a guy that brings shooting and defense. You know, each one more brings dribbling. He brings the ability to penetrate. Um, He theoretically should bring shooting, but the shooting hasn't been there for him this season. Um, And the defense has been kind of sporadic. And then you look at Langston Galloway and, you know, he's not a great defender, but he brings all of the offense and all of the shooting. Um, So Javon Carter is kind of that happy medium And the key there is a conversation that Monty and Javon had. And uh, we're going to do a quick quote of the week. I know we did one in our last episode, but hey, it's a new week. So we're doing another quote of the week um, with just some interesting tidbits that Monty and Javon had to say about, you know, what the coaching staff's advice has been to him over this recent stretch. His ability to knock down open shots. You know, that's the thing that we've been telling him all year long, like stop hesitating and just shoot the ball. You know, I don't want him pump faking or thinking he's going to come out because he missed a shot. Um, you know, I told him one day when I'm, when I'm gone or he, he has another coach, he's going to wish he had a coach like me telling him to shoot the ball as much as I tell him. And um, that, that's what he brings. You know, he's a hard, diligent worker. He gets up more shots in our gym than anybody. Um, on the team, it's not even close, and uh, we want him to to shoot the ball when he has an open shot. Shoot the ball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I hear from, from head coach to training staff. Shoot the ball. That's all I hear. You got to trust my work, man. That's all it is. It ain't complicated. I be out there thinking too much, making the game too hard. I just got to keep it simple, shoot the ball, and bring the energy. So the verdict is pretty much shoot the ball. You know, we heard it from both of them, shoot the ball. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing. You know, you always are playing with fire when you tell players, you know, to play with confidence and give them the green light, because then sometimes you got guys like, you know, Jordan Clarkson or J.R. Smith or Dion waiters who think they're better than they might actually be and throw up some ill-advised shots. Um, But Javon Carter's don't feel bad. You know, when he's taking the ball off of a catch and not dribbling, not thinking about it, just shooting, he's good. And he's a very good shooter. You know, he's worked really hard at improving his three-point stroke since his days at West Virginia when that was more of a liability. Um, And that's a testament to him. You know, we see him after Suns games all the time on the practice or on the main court. Um, even after wins, even after losses, even after games where he's actually played substantial minutes, he's getting up shots. He's working at his craft and it's, it really shows. Um, I think he shot around 40% from three last year and, you know, lately he has been absolutely on fire from three. So a couple of quick comparisons because over the last five games in particular, he's been stellar. Um, so over these last five games, he's put up a total of 62 points in 103 minutes, and he's made 16 of his 33 three-point attempts. So the first 39 games where he saw action this season, he put up 107 points in 388 minutes, and he made 23 of his 72 three-point attempts. So for those of you who aren't that great at math, um, Javon Carter has nearly matched his scoring total and his amount of three-point makes in the last five games compared to the first 39 games of the season. So he's averaging 12.4 points in 20.6 minutes per game over these last five games. He's shooting just under 55% from the field, just under 49% from three. And compared to the first 39 games of the season, he was averaging 2.7 points in 9.9 minutes per game. He was shooting 38% from the field and 32% from three. Um, he's been a plus, in point differential over these last five games Uh, and over the first 39 games, he was plus 0.1. So 0.1. And he's just taking a ton of threes, like just launching a shit ton of threes. Um, He's taking 11.5 three point attempts per 36 minutes over these last five games compared to 6.5 per 35 minutes. So he's nearly doubled his uh, output in terms of shooting three pointers Uh, he's multiplied his scoring output by four. And, you know, he's at, like I said, last five games, he's made 16 threes. The first 39 games, he made 23 threes. So he's been on tear. I think he has not had a game in these last five games where he's made fewer than three three three-pointers. So he's been really good, and he's just been shooting. He hasn't been hesitating. And that's what he alluded to, what he and Monty were talking about. Um, And it's good to see, because if you are giving Javon Carter minutes, you need him to make those shots, especially if he's going to be part of your eight or nine man rotation in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if that'll actually happen. We'll have to see if he can hold up in his first playoff games, like a lot of these youngsters that we keep talking about. Um, But we know what he's going to bring on the defensive side of the ball. We know he's going to bring the energy. We know he's going to hound guys, you know, 90 feet up the floor but if he can make those shots and not, you know, do the thing that he does sometimes where he just dribbles the air out of the ball. um, It's great when he's not, you know, overthinking things and is just shooting the open shots that he gets, because he's knocking them down. Obviously he's not going to be shooting this hot the rest of the season. Some of those are going to stop falling. um, And then, you know, that's when you question the confidence and you start overthinking things and hesitating with your shot. But when he shoots the ball, he just catches the ball and shoots it and doesn't think about it. Doesn't hesitate. Doesn't worry about getting pulled. The results are there. So hopefully that continues because um, if he can continue to shoot at this high a level, the Suns aren't going to miss minutes from, you know, Langston Galloway or each Moore more too much, especially if they continue to stagger Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the playoffs, which, you know, hopefully they do, but uh, that's going to do it for our Suns talk for today. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body. They start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its health benefits. Then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever had. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, but it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So we're offering up to 15% off when you use the code minute. That's M-I-N-U-T-E. Just go to earthechofoods.com slash minute media and enter the code minute to get 15% off. All right. So now we're going to move on to our G-rated segment for today, which is Snowfall. Um, It's on Hulu. If you are looking to binge and catch up. The season four finale is on Wednesday night. Um, But for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's set back in 1983 and it covers, it's it's basically about the first crack epidemic in LA and how it impacted black communities there. And uh, the characters are mostly made up or kind of like loosely based on real people and real events, but the problems, the violence and the ripple effects of this epidemic um, that are included in the show are, are very real. It's, it's kind of like the wire in that way that these are you know, fictional characters and the you know, specific details are you know, made up to tell a compelling story, but it's very real in how grounded it is in that community in that time period. Um, so it revolves around the main character, Franklin Saint, who is played by Damson Idris. And he, Damson Idris is a phenomenal actor. Um, But he's basically this college kid, this black kid who has seen how the system is designed for him, for his family, and for his community to fail. And he starts as this runner for his uncle pushing marijuana without his mom knowing. Um, Single mom, he does have a dad, but his dad is kind of a deadbeat. He struggled with substance abuse and is basically out on the street at the beginning of the show. Um, And Franklin kind of finds himself in this cocaine world as part of his own ambition which sets him down this path toward, you know, violence, towards favoring business and logic over, you know, humanity and emotions and kind of his rise to becoming this drug kingpin at the expense of the very community that he set out to build up when he first starts off down this, this train, of, of uh, down this line that he goes down. So it's very well done as far as how it kind of toes the line Uh, In balancing the injustices of the system that Franklin has experienced and, you know, seen with the harm that he's doing to the black community by introducing crack um, in order to make a killing off of it. You know, he's getting rich, but he's damaging this community around him. And Franklin does want to give back like in season four, he tries to go legitimate, he's trying to put his money to good use by buying up properties so that he can, you know, set these places up with affordable housing for low income families. But he's also getting people addicted to this crack rock and ruining their lives in ways that are, you know, even worse than just regular cocaine. Um, And it's fascinating because it also kind of explores the government's hand in all of this. Um, You know, one of the other main characters is a CIA agent who, CIA agent, Whose name is Teddy McDonald, aka uh, Reed Thompson. That's his alias, and he's kind of there to help provide the cocaine from Colombia in exchange for money that he uses to fund these insurgency wars in Central American countries. Basically, the U.S. government trying to overthrow communist regimes. So, it's very grounded in how the system you know, exacerbated this major problem, this epidemic that happened in LA and, you know, destroyed these black communities. Um, And it's very much like The Wire and Breaking Bad in terms of masterfully illustrating how each move, each decision has a consequence. You know, it's not quite on that same level as those shows. I'm not putting it in, you know, the pantheon of the two greatest shows of all time just yet. But it's honestly not too far from the conversation in just four seasons, and it hasn't wrapped up its fourth season yet. We'll see how it does with that on Wednesday. Um, But it's just getting better and better with each new season. The first season was honestly uh, a little hit or miss. The pacing was kind of off. There were too many disparate threads going on. Um, But they finally started to come together and and each episode is exciting. There's a lot that happens. You know, it it can be graphic with some of the violence and it can be sad with the subject matter, obviously. Um, But there's some really great characters and plot lines with those characters too. Um, You know, Franklin lives right next door to a, a black policeman named Andre and his daughter Melody is basically his main love interest for the first three seasons or so. But it gets to the point where Andre kind of interferes, he knows what Franklin's up to and tries to interfere with his business. And I don't wanna spoil anything, but bad things happen to Andre. And then Melody in turn turns against Franklin because of what happens to her father. Um, it's really just fascinating, some of these storylines that they're able to create. And I love, I love shows that are able to take different character motivations and pit them against each other in a way that makes sense for each character's kind of motivations, um, and this show is really good at doing that and having these intersecting, um, you know, character motivations. Um, and there's also, you know, there's Franklin's best friend and kind of his right man, right-hand man, Leon, who matures as the season goes along, but is still kind of brash. And you know, he has this love interest who is basically destroyed by her addiction to crack, and then. You know, they kind of utilize her in this last episode, they utilized her um, with some masterful planning on Franklin's part. Then there's El Oso because there's this whole, um, you know, Spanish, this Mexican community that's involved with this drug trade. And El Oso is this former uh, wrestler who gets involved in all of this. Um, there's Franklin's mom, who's kind of the sympathetic character who gets dragged into Franklin's illegal activities. Um and, and, and she kind of serves as the motivation for Franklin going down this path because he's seen her mistreated by her white boss. He's seen her struggle just to make it, just to provide for herself and for her son. And so he wants to, um, you know, do things his way and basically, you know, fuck the system kind of thing. Uh, and then there's my favorite, who is his uncle, Jerome. He's got the, the jerry curl and everything. And uh, he's just a super buff dude who has these great one-liners but he's also very sympathetic in that he's the one that kind of wants to get out of all of this and he wants you know he he had enough money to buy this car shop basically uh, and he just wants to focus on that he wants to get out of all this drug stuff all this illegal stuff while it's still safe while they're still intact um but he's probably one of my favorite characters and, and the show does a really good job with all of these different characters um making them feel realistic making them feel not just the characters, but the, the whole, the, all of the scenes, the way that they're shot feel very um, authentic to the time that they're coming from. Um, but yeah, the season four finale is on Wednesday night. It's coming off one of the best episodes that the show's ever had. Um, and Franklin's mastermind schemes, you know, he took down two of his biggest rivals and the CIA agent has to deal with a reporter who was about to leak his identity to the world in a story. Um, And now Franklin's father, who, you know, was this deadbeat, but has since turned his life around, gotten back together with his mom is running this homeless shelter, uh, trying to be a good man. He's, you know, he's sober now. Um, But he pissed off Franklin because he tried to get his family out of this by going to that reporter in the first place. And now that the father has learned what happens to the reporter, he's trying to get out of it um and the cia agent who works with franklin basically tells franklin he has to deal with this problem so franklin is kind of in a place where he might have to choose between his father who is this reformed kind of bum who is actually a good man now and his business you know which would mean killing a man that he's had problems with throughout his life because he's been absent for so much of it so really fascinating stuff um snowfall is a really good show if you haven't watched it like I said, first three seasons and change are on Hulu. Uh, the, all of season four is on Hulu as well, except for the finale, but that won't hit till Wednesday. We would be talking about this on uh, Friday's show, but we have to cover the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series finale, which hits Friday morning. So we'll be doing that on Friday. So that's why I wanted to talk about Snowfall, because it was too good to let this upcoming finale go unnoticed Um, so for my G rating for this entire show, um, you know, I'm pretty dead set on this. I feel like it could change based on what happens in the finale, but I have confidence they're going to stick the landing of season four and head into season five strong. Uh, but for my final G rating, I'm going to give this a nine out of 10. I think this is a very good show. It's one of the better shows that I've watched and probably one of the best shows on television right now that you can watch. So if you haven't watched snowfall, I highly recommend it. Definitely check that out. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you have not written me a review, please go ahead and leave me five stars if you're enjoying all the suns and entertainment talk. Um, but until next time, this is Joe Borgay signing off.